passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, and we are live from the Big Phil Palace in Aurora, Ontario, Canada. I am your host for the UFC 273 post-show, Phil Chair Talk, the Big Phil Combo in the flesh, joined, not as always, but on a special occasion, and tonight is definitely a special occasion, we have the man from Sudbury himself, the one, the only, Eric Cott. Eric, how are you doing? This I evening? am... Uh... I'm doing good, you know. John definitely earned a break from all this madness after this past week, and uh, judging by the length of this card, I think he chose the right night off. That's right. Yes, John definitely picked uh, the right uh, night to take off after all the uh, uh, excitement of uh, WrestleMania week, uh, all the amazing action and coverage that the post uh, team was able to provide. So yeah, John's. I guess he's taking a day off, but he's still working always, of course. But You can uh, go on his Twitter and see that he was watching the card as it was happening, posting his scores. So as a there, fan, there is though, never, there's never truly a night off. That's right, yes. But as a fan, as a fan. But yes. of course, we're very happy to have you, as always, Eric, because uh, your insight is uh, second to none. Um, it was, uh, we're a little bit late here. Uh, a lot, uh, a lot of action to cover. Um, two title fights. So why don't we start with, uh, the main event? Alex Volkanovsky taking on the Korean zombie, Chan Sun Jung. Um, originally, uh, well, actually, before we get to that, maybe I'll just do a recap. This event happened from the Star Memorial Arena in Jacksonville, Florida, which has been the home to, uh, several pandemic events. On the call was John Anik, Joe Rogan, and Paul Felder. And, uh, before we actually get into the main event, Eric, uh, there were some new broadcast graphics, uh, on-screen graphics for the fights and also some pre-fight graphics. Uh, any thoughts on those items? Honestly, not really. It's, it's like barely a change. It's very small things. You know, if you're not watching the UFC all the time, I don't even know if you've noticed, but uh, no, no big changes. I like after the first fight, I stopped noticing, really. How, how about you? Yeah, um, I would say they were a mild improvement. The sort of the the fighter graphics were a little bit odd. There was a new intro video. But uh, as you mentioned, they're, they're very small adjustments. You know, the UFC has got a formula. They stick to that formula. So deviating from that, it, it's very minor deviations. Uh, but nonetheless, it's always nice to see uh, a little bit of variety on the broadcast. Um, so yeah, so uh, getting back to the main event, the featherweight battle between Alex Volkanovsky and Chan Sun Jung, the Korean zombie, uh, originally scheduled to be the third fight between Max Holloway and Volkanovsky. Volkanov, uh, Holloway had to, was not well, had to step out of the fight. They put in the zombie instead. And, uh, what, what was your anticipation level for this fight, Eric? Um, I, I thought it had the potential to be an exciting fight. This 
largely depending on how Volkanovski would approach it. But um, and you know, it was nice to see a fresh matchup as well. I was looking forward to Holloway Volkanovski three as much as anybody, but at the same time, it feels like there's so many rematches for the titles as of late. I was excited to see a, a relatively fresh name in there as well. Uh, obviously, not as big of a fight, but I, I wasn't upset about it. Yeah, I think I I, I echoed those uh, sentiments on the news show on Friday when uh, uh, John asked me about it. Yeah, I mean, ideally Holloway in there for a third fight, I could watch that again and again and again. But I thought that uh, the Korean zombie was a good substitute in this scenario. Um, And while it didn't turn out to be the most competitive fight, it was certainly a very excellent performance. Um, So why don't you uh, run down the action, Eric? So the fighters touch gloves up up three times, which is in stark contrast to our other title fight we'll get to later, to begin the fight, right? And Volkanovski, just immediately, you can tell there is a huge speed difference between Alexander Volkanovski and the Korean Zombie. Uh, Zombie eats some big shots in this opening round, and he's looking for his opportunities to counter, but you can see the damage is adding up quickly, and Volkanovski wobbles him with an early 1-2. He's throwing leg kick after leg kick. They're adding up quickly as well. And he mixes in his wrestling, takes Zombie down. Um, if there's a pause left to take away for the Korean Zombie, is, his grappling is always great. He popped back up very quickly from all of Volkanovski's takedowns. But uh, towards the end of the round, uh, Volkanovski kind of knocks him off balance with a left hand, uh, sweeps him to the ground again with another leg kick. This was just a beautiful round for Alexander Volkanovsky. And just by the end of this first round, you can tell this is going to be a one-sided fight. Uh, we go to round two. They, they trade leg kicks early and Zombie lands a hard jab. He, he is a powerful, like he has power in his hands, despite the fact that he wasn't landing with uh, a ton of frequency. But a left hook from Volkanovsky had to catch a zombie on his way in and just knocks his head back, cuts off his attack completely. Volkanovski's he's super active. He's like not taking any time off in this bout. He lands this left hand that looks as though it had Zombie practically out on his feet. But uh, d- despite this, Zombie throws a hook that kind of uh, says that tells Volkanovski, "Okay, don't get carried away, don't get reckless." Uh, this was another really dominant round for Alexander Volkanovski, and that kept up in round three. So I actually thought for about four minutes this was the best round the Korean Zombie had. He was looking. Uh, Volkanovski was winning, don't get me wrong, but he was landing with more frequency and he was not taking as much damage. But in the final seconds of the round, uh, Volkanovski lands this right hand that just floors Zombie and he goes down with the ground pound to finish the fight. He doesn't get it on time, but Zombie's a bloody mess. Uh, the doctor's brought in to check on him between rounds. It's determined that he can continue, but he is looking very off by this point. And it's like maybe the first shot that Volkanovski lands in the fourth round, a big right hand that stumbles Zombie. Herb Dean immediately steps in, stops the fight, and Alexander Volkanovski is your winner by TKO at 45 seconds of round four to retain the UFC featherweight championship. Uh, an excellent, excellent performance from Alexander Volkanovski, but uh, a fairly uncompetitive fight. Yes. Uh, as you mentioned, in the third round, it kind of maybe started to look like Zombie was getting some momentum early in the round, landing with more frequency. But the power difference was was too much. Uh, and not just the power difference, just the variety, the way that Volkanovsky was able to mix it up. 
everywhere, get takedowns. Uh, even when Zombie did defend the takedowns and get back, he was happy to go right back at it, uh, disengage, throw elbows, throw knees, just do everything. You know, a complete mixed martial arts performance. Joe Rogan used the term uh, seminar. Um, I think that's as appropriate as it gets. Just an all, just a showcase performance. Um, you know, disappointing for the Korean zombie, for sure. You know, he's a very exciting, fan-friendly fighter. So it's always tough to see uh, somebody like that lose in such dominating fashion. But, you know, Alex Volkanovsky uh, putting a stamp on his championship reign and making a claim for that number one pound-for-pound pound spot, uh, I believe. Yeah, he has a great case. I would say, in my opinion, the top two pound-for-pound pound fighters are probably Kamaru Usman and then Alexander Volkanovsky, but uh, he's certainly gaining ground. Uh, you know, with the Korean Zombie, I think it's been evident throughout his last, I don't know, maybe three fights, two two or three fights, that he is slowing down. You can see it in his movement. You can see it. You can see his durability starting to fade, which was, of course, what made him famous in the in the first place. But you, you see, he's getting a bit chinnier with age. Still, extraordinarily tough. Like, still one of the toughest guys you'll get in there, as as seen by this performance against Volkanovski. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, finally slowing down after years of these wild fights. Yeah, and in the post-fight interview, there was sort of like uh, allusions to that he's at least going to be considering retirement. It's apparently it's something he does after every loss, but you know, losing a title fight is, is a little bit tougher to deal with. Um, but no commitment, of course. Uh, but we shall see. He's Down not retiring. Come on, <laughs> well, no you, one you retires. That's right. No one retires, especially in the bottle Um Now, so we don't know what's next for the zombie. We think we know what's next for Volkanovski. The logical choice is that third fight with Holloway. But, uh, you know, the broadcasters were suggesting, you know, maybe he wants a fresh face. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, if they went with in the direction of Volkanovski versus Yair Rodriguez or Volkanovski versus uh, Arnold Allen, sure, those are exciting fights. But it does feel as though just in terms of star power and name value, Max Holloway is the name that the promotion would want to go with. Uh, I'd be surprised if they went in a different direction. Yeah, I I agree. And now I've made no uh, secret about the fact that I could watch that fight all day, all night. So uh, yeah, I'm all for it. Hopefully they make it uh, happen soon. And it sounds like uh, Volkanovski's down for that. He's He wants to be active. He keeps saying he wants to fight many times, which makes sense. You know, you're the champ. Time to get paid. This is your moment. Um, you know, a lot of champs, they kind of take a break when they, they become the champ. And you can understand that, but this is your time on top, so uh, you you probably want to get paid. All right. So moving down uh, t- to the next fight, we had another title fight, this time for the Bantamweight Championship, the rematch, the unification between the interim Bantamweight title and the actual Bantamweight title, which of course belongs belonged to Aljamain Sterling, who won it via disqualification over Piotr Jan about a year ago. Piotr Jan defeated Corey Sanhagen for the interim title in the fall. And here they are to, uh, you know, uh, clean up all that bad blood. 
you know, let me just say publicly on air right now, I want to commend you for calling Sterling's championship the actual championship as opposed to calling it the undisputed championship, which the UFC loves to do even when there is an interim champion. So uh, good on you, Phil. Good on you. Is, is, is it... Is, is the championship now, is it undisputed? Cause it I, is now I'm, undisputed. I don't think so. I think there's still quite a dispute, as we'll get we'll, to. We'll get to it. Yeah. <laughs> Sh- shall we jump into yeah, it? Yeah, go ahead. Or? Go for it. So, yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, this is the rematch. Uh, Sterling and Jan fought last year at UFC 259, and uh, a fight that Pyotr Jan was... Uh, the ben- the then bantamweight champion Piotr Jan was starting to pull away, and right before he illegally kneed Aljamain Sterling in the head, thus was disqualified, and Sterling won the title. So here we go. Uh, unlike the Korean Zombie and Alexander Volkanovsky, no friendliness here. These guys are not touching gloves. Um, Jan defends Sterling's first takedown attempt, and the majority of the round was spent with Sterling circling the cage while Jan pressured forward. Uh, Sterling landed numerous kicks, uh, largely to the midsection of Jan, while Jan tried to chase him down with these uh, heavy left hands. Uh, He caught Sterling with a couple near the end of the round. For me, that was enough to give him the round, but uh, a very competitive one that we'll talk more about uh, after we get to the scorecards. So round two starts, and... Sterling catches a leg from Jan early in the round, and he trips him to the ground and just immediately takes Pyotr Jan's back. He locks in a body triangle, and Jan is uh, largely unable to to move, really. He just spends the, the round trying to defend submissions. And this was a fantastic round from Aljamain Sterling, who lands some good ground and pound even from uh, Jan's back, forcing him to make defensive mistakes and gives up, giving up positions. He didn't secure any of the submissions he was looking for, but I mean, given that this was the what sixth round that these two have officially fought, this was his best one to this point. Uh, round three, very similar. Jan defends a number of takedowns to start, but eventually he makes a mistake. Sterling takes his back, or takes him down and then immediately takes his back yet again, locks in that body triangle, and the round looks, uh, it's a mirror image, the round two. Maybe perhaps not as much damage done, but once again, it's in terms of control time, it's all Aljamain Sterling, a very clear round for him. So he's certainly up on the scorecards going into round four. However, this is when the momentum of the fight shifts, not unlike it did in the first fight. Uh, Jan flurries forward with much more aggression to begin round four. And while Sterling is still attempting takedown after takedown, Jan is shrugging pretty much all of them off at this point. Uh, At one point, there was a scramble that resulted in Sterling nearly taking the back of Jan again. But this time, Jan slips out, and he just goes to work from the guard of Sterling. He lands some strong ground and pound, and this was a clear round for Piotr Jan. We go into the fifth and final round, and I thought Jan seemed to be the fresher fighter, but... Sterling was looking way better in this fifth round than he even was by the third round of their prior bouts. So I think that's important to note. Uh, Jan kept defending all these takedown attempts from Sterling. Uh, It is worthy knowing that he wasn't doing much offensively in the early portions of this round just because he was spending so much time defending. But as the round wore on, Jan started to do more and more, especially when he was fine like... Like, Sterling would shoot for a takedown, Jan would defend, sprawl, and move to his back, land some right hands, left hands. He never really uh, came close to securing a submission himself, but 
this was a pretty strong round for Piotr Jan. Uh, the fight does go the distance, and uh, they gave each other a friendly pat on the shoulder, which is uh, as much friendship as I think you'll ever see between these two. Uh, we go to the scorecards. It takes them a while to to come up, so you know you know it's going to be a split decision, and that's exactly what we get. Scorecards of 48-47, 48-47, and then one dissenting 47-48. Aljamain Sterling is your winner. He retains the UFC Bantamweight Championship. He unifies it with the interim champion. And, uh, well, he proved a lot of doubters wrong. Now, I will say, I'll start off. I scored this fight 48-47 for Piotr Jan. Now, I'm in the minority on that one, as I saw online. But I think with rounds two through five being very decisive, two in favor of Sterling and two in favor of Jan, it ultimately comes down to that very first round on everybody's scorecard, unless we're arguing for a draw. And while Sterling may have landed a bit more, I thought Jan was more damaging and thus awarded him the round. How about you, Phil? So I have the exact same score for round one. Uh, I did. I just felt that the damage from the punches Jan landed was greater than that of Sterling. And he was the aggressor and pushed the action. Um, and it wasn't until the end of the round where he landed some really solid ones. The one place where I do have a different score, though, is on round two. I did give this one 10-8 to Sterling, which I think is, I guess, it did, none of the judges gave it 10-8, so it's a bit of a moot point. But uh, exactly like you said, it was the two and three were mirror images, except two had damage. He almost flattened him out. He punched him quite a bit and it it was it was a lot of control. So I gave that round as 10-8 with and then the rest of the fight was predictable, easy to score. So I actually had this one a draw. Um now uh let's forget that. Let's let even like you take so first of all, it's not a bad picking Sterling to win this fight is not a bad call. The the first round was very close. Uh there was no robbery he clearly won two rounds, um, but I think where people are going to have difficulty with this uh, result is, first of all, nah, the under A, under the old school pride rules, it's pretty clear which who would be the victor here. And if people aren't familiar, under old pride rules, they didn't judge it round by round. They judged the whole fight as a they judge the fight as a whole, not the whole fight as a whole. That's weird. Um, so they would judge the whole fight. And if, and that, and what often would happen is whoever's taking that momentum for the last portion of the fight ends up winning the fight because you sort of extrapolate that. What's it going to look like in 15 minutes, 20 minutes, further, further? So under those old pride rules, I mean, really Aljo managed to win this fight with seven minutes of back control. And, Peter Jan did a lot of damage in this fight. It was actually very similar to the first fight, except Sterling got the takedowns and was and it was it was the difference. He he got two takedowns and that was the difference. And so I just think it's it, it's a tough sell for people. Um, you know, a very I don't want to take away anything from Aljamain because he won. He won within the rules that we have. But if you're asking me who the best 135 pounder in the world is. I'm still going to go with uh, Piotr Jan. Well, uh, the next guy in line to 
prove himself perhaps the best bantamweight in the world seems to be TJ Dillashaw because that's who Aljamain Sterling called out in his post-fight interview, uh, who was conveniently set up outside the octagon with all the cameras on him. So mm-hmm. I imagine it will be uh, Sterling versus Dillashaw for the title next. Yeah, a fight uh, that I think TJ Dillashaw will probably be favored in. Yeah, I I I think so as well. I mean, he's an excellent wrestler um, and a, a tremendous striker. He's got cardio for days, assisted or not. And <laughs> um, uh, so, I, I mean, personally, I would, I would, I still, I would like to see another, you know, a third fight. Um, uh, you know, let's really finish it. But I can understand in this case, the UFC doesn't want. It wasn't the most exciting of fights. It was okay. It, it had its moments, and you know, Yawn isn't like the most notable of names. So, I, I definitely think the UFC is going to jump. To that TJ Dillashaw fight as well, but uh, Jan's next title shot is not far away. No, not at all, and I don't think it even matters whether Sterling uh, defends against Dillashaw or Dillashaw becomes the champion. I could see him jumping right back in there. Perhaps after one more fight, we'll see. But uh, bantamweight is is stacked. There are no shortage of directions you can go in in that in that division. Absolutely. All right, so now moving down the card, it was not a title fight, but it had all the buzz of a title fight as Hamzat Chemaev was taking on former title contender Gilbert Burns. Hamzat, with all the hype in the world, uh, coming off of his big win in the fall over Li Jing Lang. I mean, people are already crowning him a champion, uh, but no doubt this was his biggest test to date. So uh, how do you do, Eric? So Chimeyev comes in, and let me tell you, this guy got a superstar reaction from this crowd. Uh, if you look at the pre-fight media numbers and whatnot, Chimeyev received the most attention of any fighter on this card. And as he walked to the cage, yeah, he got that superstar ovation. Uh, the fight begins, and Chimeyev applies pressure, backsburn into the cage, where he starts to hunt for a takedown. Chimeyev is successful in dragging him down initially, but Burns, uh, extremely, extremely skilled uh, jujitsu player, right? And he he basically rolls, and he he rolls Chimeyev into the Burns's guard. It was very impressive, and Chimeyev just immediately stands up. He doesn't really have any interest in that. Uh, at this point, the broadcast mentions that Burns has landed two significant strikes, which is a new record for a UFC opponent against Hamza Chimeyev. Uh, he's going to land a lot more. They start trading looping hooks in the pocket. With Initially, it seems like Chimeyev is landing the harder shots. Burns isn't reacting as well, but he catches Chimeyev with this heavy, land, with this heavy uh, jab followed by a left hook and starts pressuring forward. They they are fighting wildly. I cannot begin to recap every exchange of this entire fight, but it is absurd. Uh, the power and uh, output from both of these fighters just trading hooks in the pocket. Um, in the final minute of the round, a jab from Chimeyev drops Burns, and he falls into the ground with some heavy ground and pound. Uh, Burns does recover, and Chimeyev lets him back to his feet, but Burns was a bloody mess by the end of this round. Uh, I, I I saw it for Chimeyev. I think you have to score it for him based on the knockdown, but uh, a very entertaining round. It's just going to get crazier. We go into round two, and Burns is uh, looking for takedowns of zone, but Chimeyev's takedown defense is... Uh, I can see this guy going through his entire career without ever being taken down. That's how good his takedown defense looked here. Uh, 
Chimeyev is working his jab, but he gets cracked by this heavy straight right hand from Burns. And they're just trading right hands still. And Chimeyev's defending takedowns. A left hand from Burns hurts Chimeyev. And he goes on attack in pursuit of a finish. But Chimeyev starts firing back. And he's able to relieve the pressure by landing shots of his own. Um, just completely wild exchanges. Both fighters are bloody messes and beginning to tire from the insane pace of this fight. The ending of the round takes the cake, though, because as Chimeyev goes forward and connects with this uh, brutal uppercut, Burns fires uh, <laughs> the cleanest, the most powerful right hand that catches Chimeyev clean, and I swear this would have knocked out 99% of the Earth's population. And while Chimeyev goes down, he is not knocked down, uh, knocked out, and he actually records a takedown before the round ends. Uh, Absolutely unbelievable round. Uh, I saw this one for Gilbert Burns and in all likelihood 1919 going into round three. Uh, Chimeyev continues to defend takedown attempts from Burns and he kind of begins to tee off at him against the cage. Burns is looking very tired, but still throwing back with power. Uh, Chimeyev is really pulling ahead throughout the first three minutes of this round, but I guess Burns was saving it all for the end because in the, in the final 90 seconds or so, he starts marching forward with right hand after right hand, and they are landing clean. Chimeyev is just eating them all. He has it in him to fire back, but this turned into another competitive wild round. Uh, we go to the scorecards, a common theme on this card. Comes up, Chimeyev wins by unanimous decision, uh, 29-28 on all three scorecards. I saw it the same way. Uh, incredible fight. Uh, what did you think out of these scores, Bill? Yeah, I, I scored it uh, the same way. Uh, Chimayev got the first, Burns the second, and then Hamzad again the third. Uh, I mean, we haven't looked at the par- the bonuses yet, but this is definitely the fight of the night. I can't miss. Chimayev comes in, you know, we were talking about, you know, him making a star, making performance. Uh, well, this was that, but just in a totally different way than, you know, this was the opposite of what happened in the Li Lang fight where uh, he just dominated from the get-go. It kind of looked like it might go that way early because he almost got that takedown. He had uh, Gilbert's arm sort of trapped behind his back, but Gilbert got up and, you know, went on to put on an incredible uh, back-and-forth fight. Chimaev showed incredible takedown defense. He was switching stances. His leg kicks looked good. His jab looked amazing. Like, both of his straights, like, off of both hands looked really good. Um, yeah, just, it was, it was just really the skill, uh, and toughness of Burns that, that made this a competitive fight. So now is the obvious question is, is, is what's next? You know, how, how fast do we, uh, shoot this, uh, Hamzat rocket ship, uh, Eric? I think it's probably going to come down to the result of, uh, Kamaru Usman and Leon Edwards. Uh, if Edwards does get the win. I, I think they'll give Kamaru Usman an immediate rematch, just considering all he's accomplished. But if Usman does get the win, I could very well see his next opponent being Kamzat Shemayev. Really just going straight to that, eh? I he feel just like... the second right, second best welterweight in the world, right? Yeah, no, I mean, it makes sense. I, f- I feel like you want to do at least one five-round main event with him. The problem is just the opponent. And the, the only person out... Yeah, that that is the yeah. only opponent there. It makes the perfect sense. I I'd want to see it, um, but 
as we know, Colby Covington is a valuable commodity to the UFC, and uh, maybe that's not how they want to utilize him. Especially if uh, Chimaev were to beat Kamaru Usman, and uh, that's perhaps a, a title fight that they'd want to sell on pay-per-view at a later date. Perhaps they wouldn't want to give it away at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And, you know, Gilbert Burns, tough loss, very strong performance, even in defeat. Um, you know, kind of tough to see, you know, what the next steps for him in the division are. It, it's a pretty loaded division. Um, but there's a, you know, there's a cue for that title shot. And, you know, he's fall, he's already had one shot. Now he's dropped down further down, uh, the ladder. So, uh, what do you see maybe next for him? Well, you know, coming into this fight, he had the win against Stephen Thompson. And honestly, even though I didn't see it this way, it wouldn't be absurd if you scored this fight for Gilbert Burns, uh, especially for that late comeback in the third round. So uh, it's clear that he's still one of the top fighters in this division. Uh, you know what? If it's if you're not doing Colby versus Chimeyev, why not do Gilbert Burns versus Colby Covington? Well, it's sort of the same reasons. Same yeah, answer. I mean, yeah, it's like, yeah. but uh, But... He definitely deserves to to stay with the top guys in the division. That's for sure. Well, it's, with Colby Covington, it's like if if you're not going to fight any of the top fighters in the division, what are you doing, right? With Colby, yeah. Well, it's you know, it's 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 the it's the it's Poirier maybe, or maybe, you know, it's yeah, it's yeah. one of these. Sh- it's it's look, I'm not in favor of it, but we know that the UFC will entertain the money fight ahead of the competitive fight if it serves their yeah, interest. That's true. Yeah. Um, but I'm not, you know, I'm sort of overemphasizing that too, because, you know, Kobe is a notable person, but he's not like a mega draw. So I could, I, I could see that fight happening more likely than not, actually. So, um, but I just wouldn't be surprised if they go another direction. All right. This post wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you. Well, thank you. All right. Uh, so next up, we had a important women's strawweight uh, match between Mackenzie Dern and Tisha Torres. Dern coming off of that loss to, uh, was it Marina Rodriguez was the yeah. last one? Yeah. Yeah. And Torres on a bit of a winning streak going into this one. Yeah. Sort of turning things around a little bit. Yeah, she was facing off against some like tough competition. I'm I'm not pulling up her Wikipedia page. It's it's too late for that shit. But it was like <laughs> Joanna and Zhang Wei Li, and it, like the best of the best that she was. That's right. To. Yeah, and she was still competitive in in those uh, efforts. Yeah, she never gets blown out of the water. She makes all of her fights competitive and uh, is basically impossible to finish, as we will get to. Uh, the fight starts, and Torres shrugs off Dern's early takedown attempts. She's kind of ducking under uh, Dern's punches. She's doing this thing where she kind of jumps in with this right hand and then gets out of there before Dern has time to recover. I don't know how much damage they were doing, but she was landing them over and over again. Uh, 
she seemed to be landing more throughout the round, but in the final minute, Durin lands these trio of heavy right hands, and it was the best sequence of the fight for her to that point. I saw this round for Tisha Torres. Uh, many others did not. We'll get to that later. We go to round two, and Durin... Okay, so she basically tries to pull guard by jumping into Torres and pulling her down, and Torres initially defends that, but Dern, if you, if anyone is unaware, Mackenzie Dern is very, very, very skilled at jujitsu, and what she proceeds to do is uh, absolutely incredible. While Torres has her held out uh, in front of her, Dern tr- basically climbs over her shoulder with this Kimura attempt in a standing position, and she was very close to finishing this. Torres was able to use the cage to prevent. Uh, her from turking the arm too much, but she's clearly in pain and she's and she's carrying Duran's weight for an extended period of time. Eventually, they go to the ground and Torres is able to roll out of it, but this was a very dangerous sequence for her. And uh, in the final seconds of the round, Duran starts to roll for a leg. They they both I think they both go for knee bars at one point, but uh, not not as close. But nonetheless, a very good round for Mackenzie Duran, who uh, had Tisha Torres in danger throughout the near entirety of this round. Uh, we go into round three, and Torres uh, attempts this heel kick, which results in Dern taking her to the ground momentarily. But this time, uh, Torres pushes her off and lands this up kick that seems to, even though it lands to the chest, it seems to stun Dern slightly. And uh, Torres lands this uppercut as Dern's trying to pick herself back up. Uh, the momentum is shifting in her favor, and she's going on the attack a lot more throughout this round. I thought. While Durham is still landing with power, perhaps even more power than Torres was landing with, I thought this was a very solid round to end the fight with for Tisha Torres. I scored the fight 29-28 in her favor, as did one of the judges, but the two other judges saw 29-28 for Mackenzie Dern. Uh, how did you see it, Phil? Uh, so I scored it for Torres as well. I gave her the first and the third. I- I'm kind of shocked that you're telling me that some people gave Dern the first. Like the the third was in dispute for sure. But I mean, Dern was kind of wild. That right hand only landed a couple times and Tisha was just very consistent uh, throughout the round. So it was a little bit surprising. Um, But Dern definitely dominated with the grappling in the second round. And, and, you know, the third round was close enough that it didn't really bother me that uh, they gave it to Dern. No, I wasn't bothered either. It was a close fight. Yes. So, you know, another win for Mackenzie Dern. This, uh, you know, she's somebody that the UFC is high on. They they put her in a big spot last time. She wasn't able to get the W over Marina Rodriguez, but I'm sure they're going to put her in another premier spot. I mean, this is this was a very high profile event and she got featured. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see her headline another uh, fight night. No, not at all. I think they'll probably go with uh, Dern against uh, Yan Jianan next, considering that's uh, an available opponent ranked higher than her. Uh, I, yeah. I, I do wonder what Mackenzie Dern's ceiling is in, in the division. She has a lot of clear faults I think will prevent her from ever being too competitive with your Yuana and Chicks and your Zhang Wei Lees of the world, but... Uh, she's incredibly dangerous regardless. Yeah, I, I generally agree, but I do also find she's b- been making significant improvements every fight. You know, so, so, you know, who, who knows what two to three years could look like for her? Um, 
She's definitely somebody who the UFC is going to continue to be interested in pushing up the ladder. And she's, and just based on her jujitsu, she's going to be able to beat a lot of top 10, uh, women just, just because she's that elite of elite level. I mean, she'd probably have even more success if she made the move to flyweight. It's, uh, she fought there previously, but I feel like the division is, it's pretty weak compared to strawweight, which is, I feel like there is a ceiling for her in that division. And, the ceiling at flyweight is just Valentina Shevchenko. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sort of seems crazy that she's at strawweight now because, you know, she had such difficulty making um, the weight before, but she looks very healthy and she it looks, she looks very proper and fit. So uh, um, I agree the competition is going to be easier at uh, flyweight, but I think this is the right division for her. All right. Uh, so before we get to the opener, uh, the UFC also announced uh, that Cub Swanson versus Du Ho Choi is going to be inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame under the fight wing. Uh, this was a fight that I was in attendance for, an incredible card. UFC 206, was it? In yes. Tor- Toronto, Ontario, Canada. It was a December. Uh, it was an amazing fight, uh, just back and forth action. Uh, what are, what's your recollections of this fight, Eric? I mean, in my opinion, it's the greatest three-round fight of all time. If you've never seen Cub Swanson versus Duho Choi, do yourself a favor. Get Fight Pass, load up UFC 206, and watch this fight because it is absolutely incredible for 15 minutes. Like, ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous this fight was. Duho self a favor. Uh, two in the morning, pulling mass out. Uh. <laughs> so well deserved for those uh, for those two competitors. Um, and uh, there'll be uh, some type of ceremony during International Fight Week uh, uh, in a couple months. All right. So opening up the card, we have the undefeated former Olympian Mark O'Madson taking on Vince Pichel. I was shocked to learn that Vince is with. He only has like nine fights in the UFC or like nine or 11. What is he? Nine and two, seven and two. But he's been in the UFC for 10 years. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, been he's older than Mark Madsen. I was like, Marco Madsen looks like he, like he, you know, Marco Madsen, this is the last run for him. He's 37, but yo, know, Vince is uh, 39. He looks great, yeah. though. No, no yeah. hate on Vince. Yeah, he looks good. But, uh, well, perhaps, uh, you know, not being the most active fighter has kept him young, maybe. Maybe. All yeah. right. So uh, this fight began like 17 hours ago. Uh, Madsen begins the fight with a bunch of leg kicks, and Michelle was having trouble closing the distance early, so Madsen has a lot of success with just throwing those leg kicks over and over again. At one point, Bichelle cracks Madsen with a right hand and he starts laughing. He's like, oh, you better watch out, motherfucker. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Madsen responds with a heavy right hand of his own and he picks up the activity slightly in the final minutes of the round. He, he changes levels, takes Bichelle down. Um, to Bichelle's credit, pops right back up. But Madsen lands a big looping right hand before time expires. I thought this was a pretty clear round for Madsen. Uh, fight continues in round two. Madsen was the more active fighter, and he would mix in the occasional takedown to bring the fight you know, to his comfort zone, but he was never able to keep Michelle down for any period of time, and at one point he even goes for a calf slicer, uh, unsuccessfully, that is. 
in the final seconds of the fight, Michelle really tags him a few times on the feet and actually secures a takedown of his own against the Olympic silver medalist, the, the first person to do it against Marco Madsen in the UFC. So a strong ending to the round, 19-19 on the scorecards. We go into round three, and Pichel, I mean, he's acting like he's already won. He's telling, oh, Madsen's finished, and he goes, he turns up the aggression in round three, uh, and he shoots for another takedown. He wants to take Madsen down again, but Madsen is not falling for the same trick twice. Uh, he defends it, secures one of his own, and smothers him from top position for the entirety of the round. <laughs> Mark Madsen wins by unanimous decision. The scorecards of 30-27, 30-27, and 29-28. Uh, do you have any memories of this fight, Phil? Uh, I do remember watching it. I thought uh, Marco Madsen had a, a very good post-fight speech. Look, th- he, he's... I, I enjoy watching him. Like, he, he's a very... He's, he's a smart fighter. He's a winner. He's a gamer. Um, but from a style standpoint, it's not the most exciting. Uh, especially that third round. He pretty much just you know, laid on top of him for as the whole round, which was the right move yeah, to, do right to do to get the W. But, you know, he, he's out there. He's on a pay-per-view. He's, he's trying to get a title shot. And, you know, it's just, it's not going to happen with performances like these, right? So, like, you're not even going to get a fight night main event with performances like these. And it's, it's not to say that it was a poor performance. It's just not... um getting the fans excited right so he's a nice guy he's a winner but you know that doesn't sell tickets it wouldn't shock me if they maybe gave him a ranked opponent at at some point but it's not going to be a main event it's not going to be a big name and i mean he's been inconsistent sometimes he's went out there and looked pretty good other times he's looked not so good he's got his hand raised uh, regardless yeah uh the ranked competition at lightweight is very, very, very tough. So yeah, uh, I, I'm not sure what his future holds at 37 years of age. Yeah, but I think this is the time. I think, yeah, I think you put him now in there with somebody in the top 15 and it's sink or swim. And uh, maybe he can, you know, land some punches at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get crazy. <laughs> All right, so I'll just quickly go through some of the highlights on uh, the uh, preliminary card. Uh, we saw uh, wasn't Ian... wasn't Conor McGregor on these prelims? What uh, oh. Conor McGregor? I, I is that what they're calling this guy? Is that <laughs> yes. what they're? Oh, that god. is what they're calling him. Oh god! I mean, okay. Well, anyway, I guess they're talking about Ian Gary, who had an impressive win over Darian Weeks. It was a wild line. He was like a seven or eight to one favorite. I didn't like that. Darren Weeks, you know, he just didn't get anything off in this fight. You know, he he was pretty sound defensively, but no offense. Ian Gary looked sharp, kept range, won a unanimous decision. But, uh, I mean, I wasn't, I don't know. I didn't see a ton to get too excited about, um, but it seems like uh, the fans are pretty excited about him. And certainly the UFC is high on him. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a bad performance from Gary. He did what he had to do to win. Uh, he showed some good takedown defense, but uh, not a very entertaining fight. And I, I don't think there's that much you can take away from it, especially for uh, Darian Weeks. Also on the preliminary card, you had Anthony Hernandez defeating Josh Fremd. How do you pronounce it? Fremd? 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 Fremd. 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 Josh Fremd. 
You had Raquel Pennington defeating Aspen Ladd. Uh, and you had the debut of Mike Malott defeating Mickey Gall by, uh, TKO, uh, one punch knockout, uh, uh, late in the first round. Impressive debut from the Canadian Mike Malott, who at the end of, uh, the fight announced, uh, by the interview that he will be donating his entire show money, uh, some of $10,000 to, uh, uh, cancer, uh, fighting cause. Uh, because a friend of his, his, uh, child has, uh, cancer. And so he made that announcement. Uh, good guy promo from Canadian Mike Malott. Uh, somebody I'm hoping to see ma- a lot more of. Oh my God. All right. And, uh, what happened on the early prelims, Eric? Uh, Alexia Linick defeats Jared Vandera by a neck crank or a scarfold at three minutes and 39 seconds of the first round. Uh, Vandera made the insane mistake of grappling with Alexia Linick in the first round. Just not a smart decision. Uh, earlier in the card, we had Pierre Rodriguez defeat uh, Kay Hansen by unanimous decision, 29-28 all. That was too long ago. I don't remember it. And <laughs> in the first fight of the night, we had Julio Arce and Daniel Gustavo Santos. Uh, pretty dominant uh, victory for Arce against the guy making his UFC debut. He was just a step ahead for the 15 minutes. And that was UFC 273. Yes, UFC 273 in the books. Uh, Why don't you go get the performance bonuses, and I'll take a look ahead to what's to come. So next week, uh, we've got another UFC fight night. This one is (laughs) Vincente Luque versus Bilal Muhammad 2. This is a rematch from their fight from UFC 205 that Luque won by knockout. Um, Other than that, this this is maybe one of the thinnest name cards i can recall oh, I, I, I name I, a matchup come on let's, let's get people excited uh uh i mean i i like every match has at least one person that i have not heard of okay wait william knight versus devin clark is that actually oh, on is that, is that actually happening i'm not even sure i hope it's not oh chris barnett's on the card okay there's something there's something to look forward to Anyway, very thin card next week uh, from the Apex, 8.30 p.m. start time. So that's at least something to look forward to. And the next time that the post show returns with John back will be for UFC 274, two title fights as Charles Oliveira takes on Justin Gaethje, a very highly anticipated fight, and Rose Namajunas defends against Carla Esparza. You also have Michael Chandler versus Tony Ferguson on that card. Uh, Shogun versus Ovin St. Preux. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, well, I can't get any sadder than that, right? That has class, to be the saddest fight on the card. Um, Donald Cerrone versus Joe Lozon. Oh, no. Uh, Macy Shazon versus Norma Dumont. There's some, there's some bangers on here. <laughs> anyway, that's uh, very exciting. There's a ve- it's a super exciting, yeah. uh, main event. And Michael Chandler versus Tony Ferguson, uh, is a, is a very good fight as well. Chandler has just been must see TV since, uh, joining the UFC. Um, and that event will be taking place from the Footprint Center in Phoenix, Arizona. And that's on May 7th, so uh, about a month away. You got those bonuses, Eric? 
We do. So unsurprisingly, fight of the night is Hamza Chimaev and Gilbert Burns. And your performance of the night bonuses go out to Alexander Volkanovsky and Alexia Linick. All right. Yes. Oh, Alexia Linick got the, I guess, you know, not a big night of finishes. There was only, what, three finishes on the card? Yeah. So uh, poor uh, Canadian Mallet got got screwed with his $10,000 to show. Volkanovsky needed that 50K more, you know? Yes. Um, now, uh, with uh, we do have uh, before we take off, we do have one super chat from Jake Nader seven twenty two. He's asking, "Is Malot the new hero Canadian MMA yearns for?" No. No. So who is who is Eric? There, no one can ever replace Georges Saint Pierre, but uh, my heart belongs to Canadian Charles Jordan. Charles Jordan. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, out of all of the current Canadian prospects, he probably seems like the best bet. I mean, not that we saw a ton he, out of he him. He just beat Mickey Gall. I mean, I think I did, a bit more. Who else is there? Who else is there, Eric? Uh, who else is there? Um, we have uh, um, Charles Jordan and... and uh, 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 yeah, Amon Zahabi. Amon Zahabi. That's right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, Olivier Aubin Mercier. Uh, yes. People are na- we're naming some different. We're naming different organizations. Come on. Okay. All right. Tanner Boser. Tanner Boser. There you go. That is the top <laughs> Canadian in the UFC currently. Did Felicia Spencer retire, or is she? Still yeah, fighting? she's a she's a she's a broadcaster for. Uh, Eagle FC wasn't she on oh, Eagle FC wow. card? Brock Lesnar, of course. If Brock Lesnar comes out of uh, retirement, oh, yeah. comes back, he's the, he's he's the all time goat Canadian, a true Canadian. Brock Lesnar is yes. Okay, all right. We're yeah. meandering. We're tired. Yeah. We need to sleep. You need Elden Ring or something like that. Yeah, thank I you, need to, sleep. thank you to everybody who's uh, joined us in the Discord on YouTube. Thanks to everybody who pays attention to post. John and Way will be back. Actually, Way won't be back. He's on vacation this week, isn't he? Yeah, so John will I mean, be back. At some point, he'll be back. Well, maybe. I mean, we, we <laughs> hope. Do you know something the rest of us don't? Are you going to try to slide into that Monday night slot? Are you Are you, Are you? you doing uh, no. the... Uh, no? no on, on Monday night, it will be uh, John Pollock and Nate Milton. I believe, oh, reviewing, excellent. Reviewing Ross. So. Okay, M- that's... Must listen to podcasting. That's right. All right. Okay, well, thanks to... This- Thanks, as always, Eric. It was a lot of fun. I look forward to doing it with you again. Maybe not next month. Maybe next month. Who knows? We'll see. <laughs> maybe down the road. Uh, something that doesn't have us up at 2.30 in the morning. Uh, just trying to string sentences together coherently. Uh, thank you for everything you do, Phil. My pleasure. All right. Take care, everybody. It was fun. We'll see you next time.